Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here. And you know, the uh, the war in Ukraine is not as prominent in Western media as it was when it first started. The longer it goes, uh, the more, you know, we tend to just get updates. But the reality on the ground is that the need is actually growing uh, because there are, you know, so many people that are displaced, uh, you know, and we, we've talked about it here on the program with some people that are involved over there. Of course, Life Outreach International, International is involved over there. But today's guest, his name is Sergei Rahuba, and he was born in Ukraine in the Donbass region, and that is ground zero for this war. Uh, he spent many years in Moscow, and now he is the president of an organization called Mission Eurasia and has been in you know in that position since long before the war broke out and for those of you in public school eurasia is that region right there where europe and asia meets the largest country of course being russia but several others in the area and he's been working throughout that region and into israel uh, with uh, a, a network of, of people that are on the ground helping others uh, and it, a, a christian-based organization so i want you to hear some of what's going on from someone who knows the area very well uh, and not just to get an update, but frankly, just to bring you a little bit of hope, because even in the worst of situations, God's army, uh, spiritual army, is out there on the front lines. And so appreciate you being here. Uh, appreciate you following and sharing and liking, subscribing, depending on where you're watching. And Sergey, uh, I appreciate you being uh, on the program, taking the time to to talk to our viewers and let them know what's going on. Good to have you on Life Today Live. Well, thank you, Randy, and I appreciate very much this opportunity to bring you and your followers up to date on what's happening on the ground in Ukraine uh, this day. So, yeah, let's 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 start there. Uh, you know, um, what what are you doing? What what has happened to you and your organization? I'm sure it's been there's been a lot, you know, some displacement, but give us give us a bit of an update on what's going on in Ukraine right now. Uh, I like to start, you know, so uh, maybe not, you know, when this uh, full fledged war or when Russia invaded Ukraine uh, all started, you know, but maybe a few years prior to that. So back in 2014, uh, when uh, back uh, Russia backed uh, separatists, you know, instigated, you know. Uh, actually a war, you know, so the international community was viewing that like it was a civil war, but it was actual war. It was a hybrid invasion when Russia supplied uh, weapons, you know, so and uh, all possible support uh, for that uh, Eastern based kind of Russia leaning separatist groups, you know, to go against Ukraine and uh, separate. That's when Crimea was uh, annexed. And that's when Mission Eurasia and we are involved in training the next generation of leaders in the countries of former Soviet Union and Ukraine is our uh, ministry hub country mm-hmm. with our field ministry center, training center based uh, just outside of Kiev in a town of Irpin, 
and next to Bucha. If you know this is famous uh, uh, Kiev suburbs uh, uh, now. So when it's all happened, we just had no choice but to uh, focus on helping the national church through equipping these young leaders we've trained to respond to at that time humanitarian catastrophe. Uh, which the global community barely noticed, you know, what was happening. But at that time, two million internally displaced people rushed into safer places mm. from the Donbass area, uh, looking for a refuge place, for a safe place, mostly western parts of Ukraine, central Ukraine, and so on. So when this all new war came onto Ukraine, we were already experienced and positioned in the area uh, there in Ukraine. Actually, when the first attack happened, the Irpin, that's where our uh, uh, field ministry center was based, uh, you know, was attacked, you know, in the first two days of war. So we had to evacuate our teams, our staff to western parts of Ukraine. Many crossed the border uh, and uh, settled in Poland, Moldova, and other countries. But you know, from the first day of war, we were able to mobilize all our networks, uh, raised resources, and started responding uh, to this crisis with providing food, uh, shelter, medical assistance uh, and spiritual or pastoral care we care i mean for thousands and thousands of internally displaced and refugees that were running from that war looking for a safe place looking for comfort looking for assistance so, uh, i'm now I'm, I'm guessing that you've lost office buildings and churches in in the process what's been the damage to your organization uh, um, you know, our building that was uh, our uh, training center for all our field ministries based there in Irpin. Irpin is a suburb of Kiev, and it kind of became known to the international community because all that atrocities and damages done there in that town and next door uh, town of Bucha. Mm. But our center was uh, taken over by the Russian forces and uh, you know turn it into a local local uh, they are <laughs> command kind of uh, point you know so there where they house their special forces and turn our basements uh, our warehouses space where we stored all our uh, evangelist materials scripture you know so we had a lot of new testaments bibles uh, gospel of john lots of printed materials were our people use for outreach it was all taken out, burned down, and uh, a week later, when the Ukrainian forces were pushing them out of Irpin, they basically uh, set it all on fire, or actually they blew all the ammunition they had stored in our uh, uh, building, which totally destroyed the building. Jeez. So the damage was enormous. You know, it's unrepairable. Uh, we shed lots of tears, as we say, because that building was like a nerve center for mission strategic movement uh, across, you know, not just Ukraine, all Eurasia, all our ministries were coordinated. That's where most of the strategic networking partnerships uh, was were formed, you know, lots of training done for the next generation of leaders. So we were quite, you know, saddened by the fact but I'm telling you, uh, Randy, we're not, we're shaken, but we're not broken. <laughs> you know, God has provided enough resources. We were able to reprint 10 times more 
scripture and literature, uh, you know, we lost uh, to that uh, uh, damage. Uh, we're not going to rebuild the building yet. You know, we just, you know, we have to wait, you know, for more a stable time, uh, waiting for the end of this uh, war. Uh, but since, you know, our main motto, you know, so of our training program, we train leaders to go outside of their walls, you know, so through our School Without Walls program. So we literally are ministry, is ministry without the walls. So we are in the field. And uh, when we lost our building, you know, so uh, we still, you know, kind of, you know, even more in an impactful way are there in the fields through that. Uh, the people that we've trained when equipped, you know, when they bring the gospel in a very practical way to those who are in need uh, now during that uh, senseless uh, war um, that is raging, you know, through Ukraine now. Yeah. Now you so you you lost a building. Uh, what about your people? Have you lost any people on the ground? We have not lost any. I mean, directly. Uh, you know, so our teams are all fine. We uh-huh. mobile. I mean, we evacuated them all. You know, we have a temporary office now in uh, Lviv, which is most western, uh, right by the Polish border. We have four food distribution uh, places. Uh, where we obtain, pack, and ship food then farther east from those four uh, regional centers in western Ukraine, and they're in Lutsk and Chernivtsi, Mukacheva. Uh, we did not lose any of our direct kind of team staff, uh, but uh, there are several you know, volunteers that were involved in the food distribution, delivering food to farther those places where communities were trapped by the war activity in Kharkov, Chernigov. Uh, so there are several uh, were uh, kind of uh, killed, you know, and some by direct uh, in a caught in a crossfire, uh, unexpectedly some exploded on the mines left by Russians when they were uh, retreating from those areas. How? So, yeah, no, that's that's it's it, the whole thing's terrible. Um, as far as the people, you know, that are fleeing the the war. They're displaced, they've been uprooted, and they've lost loved ones. How do they respond when they run into your team evangelizing, in a sense? Are they receptive, or are they, you know, angry that God would let something like this happen would be, you know, a response I I could see? What's sort of the, what's the response of the people that you're reaching? Uh, You know, so the response in the spiritual sense, if I can say, side is just enormous, uh, uh, Randy. Yeah, people are angry. They're angry at war. They're angry at their neighbors. They're angry because, you know, they were uprooted. They lost all what they had. They lost their homes. They had to flee from their communities, uh, loved ones. Uh, uh, there is a tragedy. But I'm telling you, because in the midst of this tragedy, we see how Ukrainian people respond to God uh, and uh, leaning on to God. I'm telling you, our uh, print uh, uh, printing uh, house in Lutsk is working uh, nonstop 24-7 when we print scripture. And scripture, along with food, you know, is in the most demanded, uh, on-demand kind of item today. So we cannot provide enough. That's, I'm telling you, how uh, deep, big is the spiritual hunger now. Mm-hmm. Yes, people are not happy. You can imagine. That's a tragedy raging through their country. Mm-hmm. But the people are not angry at God. 
people are angry at, uh, uh, you know, evil, mm -hmm. if I can say that, uh, you know, and they, uh, so they're questioning, of course, why they are neighbors, you know, they call them brothers or cousins, you know, all of the sudden attacked and cannot justify uh, that war still, you know, so uh, Ukrainians are looking, searching, they say, what's our fault? So that Russia had to come destroy our villages, kill our families, uh, take away our possessions, uh, drive us from, you know, our communities and uh, cannot find a reason yet. So to say people, people are not angry at God, that's what we see. And we see how the church, evangelical church, responding to this crisis, uh, providing spiritual guidance, spiritual help, uh, along with uh, physical help, you know, is shining, as I would say, rising from the ashes of this destruction. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's uh, people, I mean, when people are so open, uh, not just to receive help, but, you know, so they're open, uh, to search their hearts, and in the midst of trage tragedy, they're embracing God and uh, the gospel uh, that is bringing comfort and uh, help to them. Yeah, it's so it's so wonderful to hear. Now, you are you know you're Ukrainian. You were born in Ukraine, yes. Yes. Uh, but yes. Uh, uh, you you you've spent a fair amount of time in Russia. Um, I'm just curious, what is what is your view? of the situation um as far as you know what what Russia's doing why why you know why why do you why do you yeah. think they're doing what they're doing uh you see Randy that's still you know so I don't think I mean there are some uh, politicians possibly uh, will find some kind of <laughs> an answer why Russia why Putin is doing what they're doing and they're historic, there are uh, geopolitical, there are, uh, you know, economical, maybe reasons for it, you know, so, uh, but uh, honestly, I cannot still comprehend. Uh, uh, since Mission Eurasia were very much involved in Russia, Russia, Moscow was our hub city for many years. Mm. Uh, before, at one point, we realized that the current regime, I'm talking about Vladimir Putin and his regime, they started cranking on all what represents uh, uh, Western influence, especially, you know, spiritual Western influence, uh, because he sees that the Russian Orthodox Church, that's the most spiritual, uh, traditionally, historically spiritual ground for a Russian uh, a sp uh, a spiritual uh, foundation, you know, so to say. So, but uh, why they're doing this, you know, so I think, you know, Russia cannot tolerate that Ukraine was changing so fast and changing for better. Spiritually, Ukraine became, became the launch pad for so many ministries. Ukraine became one of the most sending um, uh, uh, countries, you know, for, I mean, for uh, ascending missionaries across, you know, the entire region. It became yeah. as a main hub. So uh, Russia could not tolerate that because Ukraine was leaning toward uh, Western democracy and uh, freedom, you know, so they want to defend their country. They want to defend their nation. They want to defend their freedom. They want to live in freedom. So that's why mostly happening, you know. So, of course, uh, Putin and his regime, they can justify that with all this, you know, so uh, other political reasons for yeah. it. 
but uh, uh, it breaks my heart to see how my brothers in Russia uh, take it now. I don't blame them, and it's not their fault, I think. They just fall a lot into deception. Russia is the most isolated country today, and we can compare it to like others, maybe China or North Korea. Yeah. You know, so mass media is totally controlled. Everyone who is not in the line with the government's politics today, they would be labeled as foreign agent. It means, you know, so that you are not falling into the line of our current politics. And the Kremlin propaganda is pushing this so much, you know, so uh, and uh, people are fall victims of that propaganda. So I'm not blaming my brothers in Russia. I'm talking about my evangelical friends. I spend decades of working together, but I continue praying so that God opens their eyes, you know, so that uh, uh, they will come out of the blindness uh, and uh, understand that this war is evil war. Mm. And uh, uh, so that's that's my view on it, yeah. Randy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And we need to continue praying for our Russian brothers yeah. uh, that got trapped in this deceptive whole uh, evil thing, mm. you know, thinking that Putin brings uh, um, liberation. <laughs> uh, they call it denazification, yeah. you know, to Ukraine. And there is no need killing hundreds of thousands of people uh, because some perverted mind, you know, finds this as a justified reason for such a horrible war. Yeah. And and actually, I do want to ask you uh, about that, because we we hear that here in the U.S., that there were, you know, a lot of neo-Nazis and things like that. But I want to show people your website first. This is Mission Eurasia. dot org. uh, And we're talking to the president of Mission Eurasia, Sergei Rahuba. Uh, and if you want to help in Ukraine, there are lots of places to do it. Of course, Life Outreach is helping there, but you can also support Mission Eurasia. Uh, we, you know, we we love you guys watching to support any member of the team. We're all we're all part of the same team out there trying to help people and spread the gospel. So you pray about you know anything you you want to do. If you want to go to Life uh, Life Outreach, I'm sorry, LifeToday.org and help. You want to go to MissionEurasia.org and help. Your local church is helping. Help there whatever I, I just i really want christians and and wherever you're at u.s canada australia europe wherever you're watching from let let's rally uh around those people like sergey who are on the front lines sharing the gospel helping people with their practical needs putting their arms around people that are hurting because this is the time that the church really can step up and and offer the the comfort uh, and the practical help that these people desperately need. That's, that's what we're here for, frankly. So, but I, so you mentioned the, that the propaganda, Sergey, of denazification, and and I've heard this bantered around in you know American and British media that I watch. Um, what is, is there a bunch of neo Nazis previously, you know, a year ago, in the government or in the military? Uh, what what is the truth on the idea that neo-Nazis were on the rise in Ukraine. Uh, You see, we are trying to find them. We could not find them (laughs) being on the ground, you know, so, and uh, Ukraine is my home country. Uh, There was a movement, it was a resistance movement when the Soviets or Russia first moved into the Western part of Ukraine back in 1939, 
when Russia and Germany basically divided, took over Poland and divided between these two. So there was a group uh, of uh, national uh, Ukrainian resistance uh, uh, based in western parts of Ukraine, uh, then Transcarpathia and there, and they started fighting underground against of that invasion or takeover. And at that time, Russia or that Soviet Russia then, so they were kind of bringing liberation mm. to that area, you know, uh, liberating all uh, oppressed working class, etc. Right. When German Nazis, you know, so they were from the other side, you know, socialists, uh, you know, uh, based on their uh, national, uh, nationalistic, you know, kind of values from the other side. So that army was fighting Soviets through 1956. It's about way longer after World War II was over. They were fighting against Soviets or Russians, and they were fighting against Germans. Some of those Nazis, I mean, they call them, you know, national fighters, you know, and there was uh, uh, Ukrainian army uh uh, freedom fighters, you know, so they call them. Uh, so th- some of them, they started collaborating, you know, so with uh, Germans when they first came, sure. uh, when a war started, because they thought that Germans will help them to fight <laughs> other invaders. Right. Uh, so, and that's that's what, you know, was pumped through the history. It was all, all I mean, w- over, you know, back 50s, 60s, and so on. So, but when the Russia, you know, showed there's some uh, um, uh, kind of uh, uh, signs, you know, so that they would like to control Ukraine again and through all different political manipulation. Uh, you remember that 2014, that uprise, you know, the Ukrainians went against uh, um, that president, you know, pro-Russian president was installed by Vladimir Putin there. Uh, of course, you know, so there, there were some um, mood, you know, in that we want to have our own government, we want to decide for our own nation, you know, we want to sure. uh, be part of the world community, and we are fighting for our own freedom. So that Russians, you know, so and I remember I went to the Soviet school, all that propaganda, so that all those Ukrainian, they call them Banderovtsi, you know, so that the followers of the founder of that uh, uh, free Ukrainian Freedom Army, uh, so they were called Banderovsi. And that's what the current propaganda kind of pulls this on out, you know, so decades and decades, uh, you know, of, you know, back, you know, from the World War II then, and they presented that like the same people, they're fighting against Russians. They're fighting for their freedom, mm. but there is no, we have not seen Nazis, you know, if mm. we can say, and how you define how they described and defined by Russians and so on. So everyone who is standing for Ukrainian freedom, Russian president would call them Nazis. But my question is to Vladimir Putin then, why he bombs all Russian speaking territories in pro-Russian Ukrainian cities in eastern Ukraine, <laughs> most of the people there, they speak Russian, they leaned toward Russia before he invaded. Now, nobody wants to uh, side for Russia, seeing all the atrocities, war destruction, and just unbelievable things that happen there now. Mm. So there is no logic in this. What Vladimir Putin and current regime, they want, they just want to control 
Ukrainian territory, Ukraine fall into this kind of trap because he's, uh, you know, so at some point he realized that Ukraine should be controlled by Russia because historically many, many years ago, hundreds of years ago, somehow it was part of the Russian empire, but it was not just Ukraine. All the territory, including part of Poland, all Baltic countries, yep. uh, part of Balkans, Crimea, and even farther, you know, so it was all Russian empire then, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like uh, propaganda and greed <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what do you, what do you think's going to happen? Because, I mean, we, you know, we heard at first that Russia would take over Ukraine in a matter of days. Uh, and, and now, you know, we've seen the, the Ukrainians resisting in a way that's really amazing. Um, and of course in the West we debate, you know, should we help? How much should we help? Should we help more? You know, and this is going on over here. I'm just really curious. You're, you're there. What do you, you know, what do you think's going to happen? Will this end? Will Uh, this end soon? Uh, you see, uh, Russia will not back out of this, you know, so if uh, the world just still kind of waves its finger and say, you cannot do this, uh, uh, until at least, you know, Putin and he is cohort are in power, they have a plan in mind, uh, you know, so just to move further and take over, uh, at least maybe not take over, but to destabilize uh, that area. Uh, uh, nobody could, uh, you, you remember, you know, when this all started, you know, everybody was predicting it will take uh, at least, you know, 48 to 72 hours and Ukraine will fall and the White House or President Biden, then he was offering to send helicopters, you know, to evacuate yeah. President Zelensky and right. the government. And uh, uh, I was not in a huge support of uh, President myself, President Zelensky. But when he mobilized all his will, you know, and being surrounded, you know, by brave people, uh, he says, we don't need a ride. We need ammunition. Mm-hmm. And that's what encouraged and pulled the will of resistance, you know, of Ukrainian nation. And uh, so they're still resisting. And, uh, you know, they're still holding, you know, so the Russian forces back. Uh, and so for how long they will be able to do this, we don't know. We pray so that, uh, uh, you know, there will be victory of this war, you know, so that, but, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, so this is all in God's hands now. Uh, And uh, of course, you know, the world doesn't want to uh, have uh, uh, World War III, you know, so, but seems like, you know, everybody already is already involved and Putin and his regime, they see that, you know, the West will get tired of all this will happen when they're still pushing. And uh, and that's what Ukrainian people are afraid. They're resisting, they are helping each other, you know, so they're extremely grateful for humanitarian help that uh, mm-hmm. they receive from the rest of the world. Uh, but uh, so there is a fear so that the world will get tired and they will be left to themselves. Mm-hmm. And when Russia will continue pushing forward, and destroying uh, so their nation. So that's our prayer. So yeah. the world continues, sees that as uh, a, a huge need, will continue supplying relief, help, and the uh, political entities find the right decision 
to hold that advance of Russia, which Ukraine, I, I, I'm afraid it could be just the first step. And if, if he's not, if they're not stopped, you know, so they can move farther and farther. So yeah. that's, that's yeah. my amateur take on it. You know, so, <laughs> well, hey, you know what? I will take your amateur take over all the experts <laughs> over here talking heads on the news pretty much any day of the week because you're, you're there, you know what's going on. Aside from the, the support, the humanitarian aid that, uh, you know, people can provide at missionurasia.org uh, or lots of other places. And, and by the way, I would encourage you guys, if you do want to support, support through a Christian organization, uh, bo- both for the accountability and also the fact, like when Mission Eurasia goes in, you, you heard Sergei talking about how he's, he's distributing scripture with the practical needs, the, the food, the clothing, whatever. The, we're doing this. I think people. It's important, especially in this situation, that people know why we want to help, why we care, and and it's the compassion, the love of Christ that, that compels us to to help those in these dire circumstances. Aside from the the physical things, which I would encourage everyone to to be in some way involved. How can Christians pray for Mission Eurasia and for Ukraine? Hmm. Uh, thank you, Randy. It's, it's uh, and again for the opportunity to invite people uh, to partner with us. And I believe the par- prayer is the most important thing. Uh, so uh, you know, when people get tired of, of this war, you can imagine families been separated. You know, so uprooted. You know, moved into. Uh, they are in a such deep devastation. You know, so they need a lot of lot of pastoral, uh, spiritual comfort support. And with prayer, you know, so we definitely, you know, can support uh, a lot of people. Uh, as we speak now, our teams work with uh, thousands of refugee children, uh, organizing uh, summer camps for them. We call them camps of hope. That's where we provide, first of all, spiritual care, pastoral care, providing counseling. But we invite these children to these camps with their moms if they're abroad, if they're outside of Ukraine, like Poland, Moldova. Inside, we work a lot with this internally displaced, and this is so much needed. So pray for our workers that tirelessly working there on the front line of this crisis, helping refugees, encouraging them, bringing them uh, they are uh, whatever they need in need it's and the food is still uh on the kind of the edge of catastrophe uh a problem there uh we provide those food family uh, f- family food packages each food package contains a copy of scripture for adults you know also for children uh, but uh, the housing situation is also such an enormous enormous need there and people just crample, you know, in places, churches, you know, all the facilities that can be available to provide shelter, temporary shelter for these families that uh, were driven out of their communities in uh, from ground zero. You know, it, they're in eastern parts of Ukraine, Donbass, Kharkov, Chernigov, all that area. Mm-hmm. So and uh, close to Crimea, the, those areas, medical assistance. But uh, continue praying for Mission Eurasia workers that on the front line every day yeah. uh, work in dealing with this crisis. And there are, uh, you know, so many tragedies, stories. Can you imagine children separated from their uh, father yeah. uh, crossing the border? They had to leave their father, their brother, you know, behind 
So those who uh, either go into fight, you know, and fighting uh, uh, in uh, uh, on the Ukrainian army side, you know, or in volunteer, they call it resistant units, uh, uh, holding on the Russian invasion, you know, so fighting back for their territories. Uh, and uh, uh, so these children, these families, you know, so they uh, laugh to themselves, actually, in the foreign territories. We're talking about, you know, eastern parts of or Eastern European countries where uh, over uh, 6 million refugees uh, uh, fled uh, looking for a safer uh, place for their families. Mm. So thank you for continue praying. Thank you for, uh, you know, continue supporting Mission Eurasia. And financial support is also essential. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that $50 that provide one large a uh, food package for a family of four or five that will sustain them at least for one week. Uh, you know, so this is not just food. This is becomes a multifaceted tool, as we say, we get into contact with this family. They see that believers on behalf of the global Christian family bring them help. They pray with them. They encourage them. So they build a relationship. These people start praying. They start joining uh, those churches, you know, so that are they are assisting them, and so all of this done, you know, we all united by prayer. You actually can go on our website and request United in Prayer, a prayer guide we call it, so we can mail it to you. So we'll help you uh, to learn how to pray more uh, systematically, if I would say more intentionally, for what Mission Eurasia is doing in those all countries, but specifically in Ukraine when helping uh, with this uh, uh, tragic, tragic, tragic uh, war uh, in Ukraine. Yeah, Sergei Rokuba, appreciate everything that you guys are doing over there. We'll keep you in our prayers and, and, and thank you again for taking the time to share with our audience today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Randy. Yeah. Appreciate you guys watching. Let's not forget I just uh, it breaks my heart. Um, this this is this is what we need to rise up for. This is why we're here as believers on this earth. Uh, and so, keep them in your prayers. Keep Sergey in your prayers. All the workers there, all the Christians there working, and let's reach out. We, we can help. Let's stand by our, those who are suffering. This is pure and undefiled religion, helping the widows and the orphans in their distress. You can do it through Mission Eurasia and others. Come back. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live.